the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider. Some interesting stories this week in the news especially the security breach of Vatican City that happened Thursday night. It was basically a pretty quiet week for Pope Francis, as you will see. He had a number of private audiences most mornings, met with Vatican officials all day Monday, and presided at the general audience on Wednesday. Now, following the news summary, I have a very special guest in the interview segment, Father Peter John Cameron. Ordained a Dominican priest in 1986, Father Cameron taught homiletics for 24 years at St. Joseph's Seminary in Dunwoody, New York, and three other seminaries. He's now in Rome and currently holds the Carl J. Peter Chair of Homiletics at the Pontifical North American College. Homilies are our main focus, of course, but the entire conversation is riveting especially when you learn of Father Peter's theater background and how that helped him prepare and deliver homilies. Lots of insightful, compelling stories. We talk about the length of a homily. Fascinating. So don't miss that conversation. Part one of our conversation aired last weekend. Now the news highlights of the week. Sunday, May 14th. After reflecting on the day's gospel and then praying the Regina Chaley with the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis appealed for peace in the Holy Land, praying that a recent ceasefire between Israel and militants in the Gaza Strip might hold. May weapons be silenced, he said, because arms can never obtain security and stability. Rather, they only succeed in destroying any hope for peace. He lamented the loss of life in the armed exchanges between Israelis and Palestinians, in which innocent people lost their lives, including women and children. At least 13 civilians were reported killed in Gaza as a result of the strikes, including children as young as a four-year-old. Sunday also marked Mother's Day in many countries, and Francis encouraged everyone to gratefully recall their mothers. Let us recall with gratitude and affection all mothers, those who are still with us and those who have gone to heaven, he said. Let us entrust them to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He then called for a round of applause for all mothers from everyone gathered in the square. Monday, May 15th, the Holy Father and the head of Vatican Dicasteries held a day-long meeting behind closed doors. No statement issued afterwards. Tuesday, May 16th. Now, this was a quiet day, as it often is, and this is when the Pope usually works on his text for the Wednesday general audience. Wednesday, May 17th. Perhaps the most interesting part of today's general audience in St. Peter's Square was at the halfway point when a papal assistant handed the Holy Father a cell phone and the Pope spoke to someone we don't know who for just over a minute. Silence dominated the airwaves during that time, and TV cameras switched to panoramic views of the pilgrims in the square. Once before, in a 2021 general audience in the Paul VI Hall, the Pope also responded to a phone call. 
Now, he began the weekly catechesis on exemplary models of apostolic zeal by noting there are many men and women in history who have done this in an exemplary way. Today, for example, we choose as an example St. Francis Xavier, who some say is considered the greatest missionary of modern times. But it's not possible to say who is the greatest, who is the least. There are so many hidden missionaries who even today do much more than St. Francis Xavier. And St. Francis Xavier is the patron of missions, like St. Therese of the Child Jesus. One of the founders of the Jesuit order in the 16th century, the age of discovery and great missionary outreach, Francis Xavier set out for the East Indies, where, starting in Goa, he carried out an intense activity of preaching, baptizing, catechizing, and caring for the sick, from India to the Maluku Islands, and from there to Japan. Unable to fulfill his dream of entering China, said the Pope, Francis died at only 46 years of age on the nearby island of Shangchuan. His heroic zeal for evangelization was the fruit of a life of deep prayer and loving union with the person of Jesus Christ. Thursday, May 18th. In a telegram to Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, Archbishop of Bologna, Italy, the Pope expressed his heartfelt sympathy for the people killed and for the thousands forced to evacuate their homes as torrential rains battered northern Italy, causing massive damage. Fourteen people so far have died in the floods. He invoked comfort from God for the wounded and consolation for those who are suffering the consequences of this grave calamity. Francis expressed gratitude to all those who, amid great difficulty, are working to bring relief and alleviate all suffering, and also to diocesan communities for their manifestation of communion and fraternal closeness to the most tried populations. Francis then, of course, imparted his apostolic blessing on all. Friday, May 19th. The Vatican announced that Pope Francis, on Sunday, May 28th, Pentecost Sunday, will preside at Mass at 10 a.m. in St. Peter's Basilica. Also Friday, Pope Francis received Archbishop Georg Ganschwein, Prefect of the Papal Household, and longtime secretary to the late Benedict XVI. No further news was given, but we know that March 4th, in a meeting with Ganschwein, the Pope did ask him to leave his Vatican residence within several months. Also Friday, very surprising news from the press office. Man driving car at high speed breaches security at Vatican entrance, shot fired at car tires. Just after 8 p.m. Thursday night started the press office statement, a car arrived at the Santa Ana entrance to the Vatican, whose driver denied entry for not having the proper documents or authorization, exited the Vatican, turned the car around, and then re-entered at high speed, driving past the first checkpoint of the Swiss Guards, then speeding past the Vatican gendarme checkpoint. The statement further explained that in an attempt to stop the car, the gendarme inspector guarding the gate fired a pistol shot in the direction of the front tires of the vehicle. Despite having hit the vehicle on the left front fender, the car continued on at high speed. An alarm code was immediately broadcast by guards and gendarmes to close the gate of the Mint, thus blocking access to the rear of St. Peter's Basilica, the Vatican Gardens, and Piazza Santa Marta. 
In the meantime, the car reached the San Damaso courtyard, the driver exited the car, and he was blocked and arrested by the gendarmes. The man, about 40 years old, was immediately examined by doctors of Vatican City's medical center and found to be in a serious state of psychophysical alteration. Currently, the person is in a detention cell in the new premises of the gendarme barracks, awaiting a meeting with judicial authorities. Well, those are the news highlights for now, one of course quite exciting, but stay here for my conversation with Father Peter Cameron, teacher of homiletics at the North American College. And by the way, have a great weekend. Welcome to this week's Q&A segment of Vatican Insider. Do you know what the First Friday devotion is? How did this devotion arise, and what must we do to gain Jesus' twelve promises to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, who spread this devotion worldwide after Jesus appeared to her in 1675 during the octave of Corpus Christi? He told her of his, quote, burning love for mankind that, quote, meets with no other return from most Christians than sacrilege, contempt, indifference, and ingratitude. He asked for amends for this transgression and made twelve promises to St. Margaret Mary, the greatest of which was number twelve. Quote, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. Now, to gain this grace, we must receive Holy Communion on nine consecutive First Fridays, have the intention of honoring the Sacred Heart of Jesus and of reaching final perseverance, and thirdly, offer each Holy Communion as an act of atonement for offenses against the Blessed Sacrament. So how can we not cherish this First Friday devotion, the promise made from Jesus' own heart, so consumed with love for us? This is Ken Hampton, General Manager of the Sword, St. George, Kansas. I always strive to remember that every one of us is a wounded soul in need of God's love. There is no better place on the airways for wounded souls to encounter God's mercy and love than Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio is important. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. Saints are the heroes of the Catholic faith. They serve as examples for all Catholics, showing us how to lead a more satisfying, more spiritual life in communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. View our comprehensive documentation of saints who serve as theologians and doctors of the church. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Heartfelt thanks for joining Father Peter Cameron and me for part two of our discussion that mainly focuses on homiletics, which he teaches at the North American College. Today, we learn a lot more about the importance of homilies, how long a homily should be. For example, Pope Francis says no more than 10 minutes. I ask Father if priests sometimes have fear of rocking the boat, 
of making people feel uncomfortable if their homily focuses on difficult church teachings, on sin, abortion, right and wrong, moral issues, etc., not just the comfortable, more easily acceptable teachings of our faith. Some very sound teaching in his comments, and a lot of humor as well. But do you all sometimes worry, or do your do the seminarians ask you, do they worry about people maybe being offended if they're to talk about a specific aspect of moral life, a specific moral teaching like abortion, okay? Do they sometimes worry that there are people in the faithful who might feel uncomfortable? Because much of the time it's a very wonderful homily pointed at readings and the gospel. I think there's great tension uh, that all priests, and I, I know the seminarians are aware of, that exists that was not the case 5 or 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. So they know that there's a, a challenge and a struggle. They know that uh, the culture, not only is it not Christian or Catholic the way that it used to be, but it's it's somewhat pagan. So yes, so there we're aware of the, the the tensions, and not everyone is going to like you, even if um, we we speak the truth boldly. Yeah. So uh, if the expectation is that we're going to win everybody over, that's unrealistic. So. Sure. There is a certain degree of courage that's involved in knowing that when I speak out, yes, it might make some enemies, but it requires a, a tremendous amount of prudence and right. of uh, diligence and of sensitivity. Again, I think sensitivity, sure, tell the truth, yeah. but sensitive that there might be people uncomfortable in the pews, you know. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a great principle that St. Thomas Aquinas, the great uh, Dominican theologian, constantly would reference in his writings was that a thing is received according to the mode of the receiver. Yeah. So we have to know what our, our people are capable of receiving and then give them the truth as fully as we can to meet that receptivity, which we hope will continue to grow. So do you agree with Pope Francis who said that a homily should be like about 10 minutes and no more? <laughs> well, when Evangelium Gaudium came out, I was jumping up and down because that document contains so much rich insight and wisdom about preaching and it says many things that I had been incorporating into my classes for years. But I absolutely agree with him and, and, and also for the reasons that the Holy Father gives because the thing is... A preach, preaching at Mass is an element of, of the entire Mass, and so there has to be a proportionality or a balance sure. within the Mass. And I always say, if a perfect stranger were to come into the church on Sunday and they had no clue about what the Mass was, they would be able to tell by the, the, the part of the Mass that took the most time, they would say, well, that must be the most important. So what's the most important part of the Mass? And in my judgment, it's the Eucharistic, the Eucharistic prayer. Eucharistic. Yeah. So the Eucharistic prayer, I think the homily should be about as long as the Eucharistic prayer or maybe a little bit shorter. But the, the other thing is, you can say an awful lot in eight minutes. And if people have any doubts about that, all they need to do is look at those beautiful films yeah. made by Bishop Barron on Catholicism because he talks about some of the most august mysteries of the faith, and he does it in five or six or seven minutes. 
Well, to be honest, many, many years ago, I was a secretary on weekends to Cardinal John Wright uh-huh, yes. when he headed the Congregation for Clergy. Uh-huh. And his priest secretary at the Vatican was um, now Cardinal Worrell, Monsignor Worrell. And um, I usually went on Saturday for dictation. Sunday, I typed up the letters at home. Monday at lunchtime, I brought them to the Cardinal's office. But on occasion, if he needed me on Sundays, it would be in the morning, and um, Monsignor World would say Mass, his homily was five minutes. Yeah. There were the nuns who worked there, and, then, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. And on a non-homily level, my dad was very involved for many years in Sarah Club, mm-hmm. and he had to give speeches and things. And, and when he got up, he usually said, okay, I'm going to be as brief as possible because I know the mind can absorb what the seat can stand. Right. So, That's right. Yeah. Yes. Or, or uh, when I give talks, I say that I, you know, will try to give the best talk possible, which I know means having a good beginning, having a good ending, and having the two as close together as possible. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's you know. excellent. Yeah. So now t- talk to me about today's generation of seminarians. The young men I have met here are just, my heart sings with joy at the future of the church. My heart does too. And it's, I've been working with seminarians, as you mentioned, since 1994. I think I can very fairly say that they keep getting better. And because, again, with what's happening in the world and with the collapse of culture in so many ways, it's somewhat miraculous that a young man would step forward and say, I want to hand my life over to Jesus Christ as a priest so that, as the spiritual director, Father Hurley here says so beautifully, so that Christ can pour that out for the good of his people. That these men would step up knowing what they're up against, yeah. that they are so countercultural that, that, that many of the things, many of the, 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 the precious truths of the holy faith, if we were to proclaim them, there's probably going to be a time when we could be thrown in prison for doing that because the the culture sees it as hate speech. But still, they come forward. And I'll tell you, they have a great desire to preach. And the men in this community, in this seminary, they are impressive. They are very impressive. Well, preachers. we are the beneficiaries of St. Patrick's yeah. because the deacons will come uh, yes. on, on many occasions. Yeah. And I wish I could remember his name from two Sundays ago. Oh, he didn't read it, yeah. and that makes an impression too. Because yes. what, what you're saying is, I know my stuff. Yeah, right. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, and it's not just that these men are very gifted in terms of oratory or rhetoric. It's their conviction about the faith sure. and their desire, really, to be fathers to the people to whom they're speaking and to that comes through. Yeah. You know. Yes. And one thing that um, a lot of people don't know is that the only people who can give homilies are ordained deacons and priests, That's obviously right. bishops and so forth. That's right. But not, you know, not ever a, a layperson at the end of Mass can make an announcement, but yes. they can't. right. But not liturgical preaching no. Mass, right. Yes. Is there a difference between homily and sermon? Well, there is, and um, I, I mean, maybe one of your writers will write in and tell me that it's bogus, but I, I know I did some research on this some year ago, and it's, years ago, and it's basically three differences from what I understand. First of all, a homily is always rooted in sacred scripture. Well, a sermon doesn't have to be. It can be on the, you know, the three theological virtues or, you know, the the corporate works of mercy or something like that, anything like that. Secondly, the point of the homily is to prepare people for Holy Communion. 
It's, and that's why I tell the seminarians there are certain things every homily has to contain, and one of them is a reference to the Eucharist, because that's what the, your, our preaching is meant to get people ready for, is to, sure. to receive the Lord in the Eucharist. A sermon doesn't have to do that. And, and thirdly, it, it's, it's the, the whole point of the homily, is, as I just said, it's, it's really to help prepare people for this encounter with Christ in communion. A sermon is to edify. And so a sermon can mm. be preached at a retreat or even on the street okay. or, you know, anywhere. Most people, I think, they know they're listening to a homily because yeah. they'll go up to the priest afterwards, oh, Father, your homily was so wonderful, yeah, or yeah. thank you for this or that statement, you know. But in fact, the, the, the seminarians are preparing uh, tonight or tomorrow night and next week to give, I want them to give sermons. So tomorrow night they have to oh, give a ahead. sermon on the Most Holy Trinity. So it doesn't have to be based oh. on Scripture. They can base it on any of the truths that um, the church teaches about the, the Holy Trinity. And then next week they have to preach a, a sermon for All Souls Day. So Wonderful. what about purgatory, about the dosha to the holy souls? Yeah. Wow. And last December you wrote, Why a Saint from 400 Years Ago is the Antidote that Pope Francis thinks we need. And this was in Alate. I forgot to mention you're on their um, English language editorial board. You were focusing on the just released, it was the end of December 22, mm-hmm. just released apostolic letter, uh, Totum Amoris Est, uh, that's Pope Francis, on the fourth centenary of St. Francis de Sales. And in that letter, mm-hmm. the Holy Father quotes St. Francis many times, but part of it sounds like it could have been written today. Francis's words, okay? Towards the end of his life, this is how he saw his time. The world is becoming so delicate that in a little while, no one will dare any longer to touch it except with velvet gloves or tend its wounds except with perfumed bandages. Yet, what does it matter if only men and women are healed and finally saved? Charity, our queen, does everything for her children. That's and, an awesome quotation. Wow. Oh, Thank you. I love it. But it's related to what we were just it saying is, a minute it ago. Is, it is absolutely yeah. right. And he was prophetic. And you're right. It's like it was written yesterday. And, and that goes back to what I said. Do you think sometimes um, someone might approach the subject of a homily with fear that people in the pew might be uncomfortable? And that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Velvet gloves. I know. Perfume bandages. Yeah. Well, today, and words yeah. which you and I grew up with, which were no more offensive than right. the word chocolate cake, yeah. all of a sudden have become I like, yeah. whoa, yeah. you How can't say. You? Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But he did say some prophetic things, really, 400 years ago. Yes. And I think, yes, there, there is the fear factor, but I think the, the more reasonable and the more, um, what do I want to say, uh, the, the appropriate way to approach this is from love, not from fear. Okay, so maybe I won't be love, but I'm going to enter into this with a great sense of trust and conviction because the gospel is real. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And he's not going to abandon us. And he's going to, through his Holy Spirit that he's about to pour out in the church very shortly at Pentecost, he's going to open the ears of people to listen to the truth because their hearts are made for that. Whether they like it or not, or they acknowledge it or not, their hearts are only made for one truth because there only is one truth. And as you sit down to prepare something, I'm sure you just, you say, or probably at the end after you've done it, um, will people go home feeling they've learned something and they're a better person? because of what I just said. 
you know, in, in the homily? For me, the, the, the way I, I try to ascertain that is by asking myself, okay, am I converted by what I said? Are my oh. words somehow critical for deepening my relationship with Jesus Christ and being a truer believer and friend to the Lord? Because if it's not something that is really searing my soul, then it's not going to touch anybody else either. So, And this is what St. Augustine said, who has a beautiful treatise, a short treatise on preaching. He says, an hour before you preach, read over what you're going to say, and as you drink it in, if it is not making this profound impact on you, then throw it away. Yeah, you're just not drop ready. off the cuff. Yeah. 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 Well, he doesn't say drop no. off the cuff, but he's saying... <laughs> Your homily has to be to you. You, you have to preach to yourself. Yeah. And I say that to people after Mass when they say, I said, listen, I'm just preaching to me. So, Right. If you yeah. benefited from it, thank the Lord. Yes, exactly. Right. right. You know. Right. Well, I want to thank you for your time, but I, all this time that you spend with these young men who are going to go out into many different dioceses in our yes. country, yeah. and I think there's a couple here from Australia yes. as well, they're going to be pastors. In a parish. Yes, they'll be assistant leaders. pastor, yeah. and then they'll be pastor. And very often they're going to find their words, whether it's a homily or whether it's someone who comes up to them after Mass asking for advice, yeah. that their words are impactful yes. on the life of one person. And that one person, it could be the life of a family. Yeah. So it's like throwing the stone in, you know, over the surface of the water. Look at all the ripples Absolutely. That it That's creates. a beautiful image, too. And you it's know. true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, the way that these uh, men preparing to be priests, the way that they speak can really change lives, and it can begin to change the culture, too. And I sure. think they're aware of that. So, But don't you think that's what we forget sometimes? I do, is and it, so I'm glad you're reminding us. Well, I, 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 I tell this to anybody who will listen if it comes up within the course yeah. of a conversation. I said, what we forget is that there's people out there who want to mold us, Catholics mainly, yeah. Christians, in their image and likeness. But they don't, they must remember, we know in whose image and likeness we are created. That's right. A and we are out there to change society, not have society change us. That's right. And we can be confident and peaceful, even serene about it, because we're not the agents of the change. We're just the, we're just the tools that the Lord uses right. to make the change. But he's, he's the one who's changing the culture and putting things right and giving the world the wisdom and the peace and the grace that it needs yeah. to be true to itself. Well, God bless you and what you've done and what you do and, you so and, and all of these young men. You're in my prayers every day because I've had a very close relationship with Nick yes. over all of these years. So I should have... I, I'm a bad interviewer because I do forget halfway through an interview to often reintroduce a guest. Generally, people are so enthralled, they remember who the guest is. But anyway, Father Peter Cameron, who teaches homiletics, to say it briefly, at the North American College. And that's his life, and he's changing the lives of a whole bunch of young men. So thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, Jim. God bless you. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.